Hello and welcome to the Mindful Chats podcast. I'm your host, Dara Torres, and on this podcast, I share my own personal stories and advice regarding mindset and mental health. I talk about what's benefited me over the years and my life, as well as talking to lots of wonderful people who want to share their own stories and talk about what has helped them on their journey. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to the Mindful Chats podcast. Today I'm very excited to have a guest with me. I've got Susan with me today and she is a life coach specializing in trauma and dealing with trauma from your past, how that relates to you now, how you can heal from it going forward. And I actually met Susan recently at a sober meetup uh, here in Portobello in Edinburgh and that's how we got chatting to each other. She's been on a journey of her own with sobriety um, and I'm sure she can tell you all about it. I will let her introduce herself and tell you all about what she's about. Hi Susan, welcome to the podcast. Hey Dara, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and I love your podcast and what you're all about. As you mentioned, I'm a life coach and I really specialize in helping people who are struggling with their mental health and emotional health and I work with various different modalities to help people heal largely from their past and then start to look forward. And as you mentioned, we met on a sober walk. I have been sober for one year now and never in my life did I think that I would stop drinking because it was a huge part of my identity. And even now I'm still having to find who I am, you know, a year down the line where I fit in and I was at a wedding at the weekend and it was it was like everybody was going on partying afterwards and that was like a first there's always first isn't there it's like the first one where I wasn't going I felt a little bereft <laughs> but I was also happy to go home to my bed so uh so yeah that's a little bit about me it's it's really interesting to delve into like firstly you say that you know you delve into people's um you know trauma as it relates to mental health and I think a lot of people maybe don't realize that their mental health, like their current mental health state is caused by past trauma. And it's, it's trauma is such an interesting thing because it just stays trapped in our bodies and our subconscious. And I know that's what, you know, you, you delve into as a life coach specializing in that. Um, I just, I just find that so, so interesting. So I'm really excited to hear more about that. And, you know, I've said it when I've seen you, but I'll say it again, congratulations on one year sober because, that is definitely not an easy thing to do, especially as you said, you were somebody that you, it's something that you never ever thought that you could do, you know, and a massive congratulations for going to a wedding sober as well, because I know how difficult that, that must have been at times. Obviously, your sobriety is your personal journey and, you know, in your own time that, that feels amazing. But sometimes you are in situations where it really can make you feel like the odd one out. And that can be really difficult. So well done, you know, dealing with that. Thank you. And even um, a bigger achievement more so than the wedding was the hen weekend in Liverpool. (laughs) Because that was um, a big test with Mike, eight of my best friends. And I was always the wild one. I was always the the ringleader, the Pied Piper. And so, yeah, that was a whole new experience, but I did it and I came out the other side. So, so yeah. Oh, well done. I think hen weekends definitely are like <laughs> a bigger test because, you know, a wedding's kind of like a whole day event. So you could probably make it through like the sort of yeah. 
sensible part of the day. I know not everybody stays sensible at that part of the day um, with like a drink, but then it comes to the evening, you can probably just be like, well, well I'll just kind of leave a wee bit early. I've been here all day, but a hen weekend, it's full on, especially if you go away, there's lots and lots of drinking involved. And a lot of the time, like was the hen weekend that you were on, did you find there was a massive focus on alcohol during that hem weekend? Absolutely. Like uh, the train journey from Edinburgh to Liverpool, the first 35 minutes, it was like the noise level went from zero to 100 in about 35 minutes. So, yeah, but but that's the way it is. And, you know, you've I, like for me, the choice is that I still continue to do those things. I just do it a bit differently. Um, and and it, is, it is a massive transition because drinking was a huge part of my story it was also a huge part of my change journey because I used to get so down after drinking like I would be in a whole world of despair for days and days and days um so it was the real highs and lows that came with drinking and and that's actually part that I miss I miss the highs you know I miss the yay it's Friday night let's go do it but um I just feel like for me it's all about doing what I did before and just blending in to the same thing except I might go home earlier or I might you know it's just like slightly different changes not it's not for everybody but for me it works but the hen was definitely the first that's a really brave thing to do as well because I think when a lot of people do go sober they might isolate themselves from situations that they previously would have been in and they might find that you know their friendships change and stuff as a result and you know you are putting yourself in that position where you're like no I'm, I'm still determined to make this work and just with a different perspective and you you are doing it whether it be uncomfortable at times but you know I think that's kind of what sobriety is about as well it's about feeling uncomfortable and you know pushing yourself and finding new ways of doing things which you you certainly are you know that is an amazing achievement and if you don't mind sharing with us could you tell me a wee bit more about you know your story with alcohol you know what what ultimately you said that you were a, like a big drinker you were the party girl you were the ringleader you know how did you go from that to being sober for for one year because that doesn't just happen yeah um so I I'm 48 and I was single pretty much my entire 30s and I was drinking partying like I could I was always the last person at the party I was also always the one leading you astray um and it was it was what I did every single weekend and I could go out Friday night Saturday night probably even I was living in the town at the time busy job working in sales where I was entertaining clients and always out always doing social events and I could go to bed at three in the morning and get up for work the next again day when I was still drunk you know all that kind of stuff it was full on four years and um when I think back on it I'm like how did I do it like how did I do it but what I would do is I was quite I was like, it was almost like two personalities. There was drunk me and sober me. And sober me hated drunk me because I was loud. I would say things that I didn't mean. I would get myself into states. I would wake up the next game day, didn't know how I'd get home. And so what the fallout from that was, I hated myself. I really, really hated myself. And so I would, I would spend the whole day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, really in a dark hole of despair where um, 
would, there would be a lot of self-loathing and not a lot of negative self-talk. I would lock myself away to the point where my friend would phone me and say, are you okay? Do you need me to come and sit with you? And this went on repeat, like, because by Wednesday, it would be like, okay, feeling good again. You know, loads of people will relate to this, wouldn't they? Because you get out the hole. And then Thursday's like, ooh, Friday tomorrow, go for a drink. And then I was back out and on it on Friday. And so the cycle went like that, high times, low, low times. And so for 10, 15 years, that was the cycle. It was on repeat. And I hated myself. And then it got to the point where um, maybe, I don't know, maybe like eight years ago, I kind of got to the, the, the bottom. You know, you sometimes talk about getting to the bottom where I was like, someone has to give here. I either have to accept that I'm a bad drunk because it didn't really do anything that bad. But in my mind, it was much worse. I was creating the story in my head that it was worse than the reality. Um, or I had to stop drinking. And at that point, I wasn't ready to stop drinking. So I came to a place of accepting that I was a bad drunk and I didn't have to like myself, but that's what I came to was that level of acceptance. It was like a surrender. You know, it was just like, okay, I give up. And then from that point, I went on a bit of a self-love journey where I really kind of dove deep into myself, my beliefs about myself, um, started to learn how to love myself. And as I started to do all that work, it was like I pretty much committed six months to doing that. I met my partner and then we got, you know, you know, when you meet a new, a new person, when you go into a relationship, that's all about drinking and partying and whatnot. And so then... That was probably about four years in that relationship. And then a year ago, I actually decided to stop drinking for a book. I was about to read The Presence Process, which is part of um, book requirements in a training program I was in. And um, he encourages you to abstain from drinking for that. And I thought, I'm going to give this a go. Never thinking I would get past a week. And my boyfriend was like, okay, I'll do it with you. We'll try. But he was starting to fade I could tell he wasn't going to do it so we were going out on this last night out and he fell and cut his eye open and none of the two of us could really I couldn't get him up couldn't get him home neighbors had to help us we got blue lighted to the hospital by the police and I was steaming he was steaming and I'm sitting in A&E covered in blood had to get a taxi home and he got such a fright he was like that is a and I was just like, what are we doing? Like, we're in our mid to late 40s here. So we had already planned it, but this was almost like the universe sending us something going, you guys are stopping and this is the catalyst that's going to do it. And so he decided in that moment that that was it for him, whereas I was still doing the book club. And then as more time went on, I was like, actually, this is really good because I'd wanted to quit for so long and just never been able to do it. But once I got a few weeks in, I was like, this is actually better than drinking. So that's ultimately how it happened. And then I've always given myself permission over the last year. Like tonight, I've said it a few times, I'm going to have a drink tonight. So it's not that I've stopped. I've I've just stopped in, in the, for each day, if you know what I mean. And so there's been days where I've said, I'm going to have a drink tonight, been going down with my brothers, I'm going to have a glass of Prosecco with my sister-in-law. And then when it's come to it, I've been like, no because I think about what's going to come and that always stops me. So it's actually been a lot easier than I thought it would be, but it's been a long time coming because I've wanted to do it for the last 
10 years or whatever. That's amazing to give up. Like, you know, a lot of people will just continue in that cycle. And it's like, like you said, you were in that cycle for such a long time. And I think so many people are, but they don't have that realization. And I'm really, really sorry that it had to come to, you know, that big scare for it to come to that. But, you know, a lot of people do talk about that as well it's like what is it going to take like how bad are we willing to let it get before cutting alcohol out of our lives and that is a really like scary thing you know it's like how many things have to happen before that realization comes and I absolutely love what you said about you know choosing sobriety and learning to love yourself because you said you were trapped in that cycle of self-hatred and you know that's a really really dark place to be and I'm really sorry you went through that but it's really important to talk about it, and I'm glad you've shared that because I think you know there could be a lot of people listening to this now that are maybe sober curious and they are stuck in that same cycle of self-hatred because so many people that drink regularly are stuck in that cycle and it's really 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 sad to see um and watch people go through as well and I think it's important to talk about and I'm glad you have because so many people don't talk about that side of it they glamorize the sobriety they'll post all the the videos online the photos with their friends like what a great night last night you know them looking fabulous but they'll never share if something you know horrendous happened later that night something traumatic or if they sat the next day thinking I hate myself I'm full of self-loathing you know it's very rare that you would see that side of it. So if you do feel like that, you probably, you probably felt really alone. Like, did you feel like I'm the only one that feels like this? Like I just need to sort of keep it to myself because everybody else is just having a good time. Yeah, definitely. So one of my close friends who lived um, close to me, like her and I were single at the same time. So we used to go out together. She knew how bad I would go into myself and, and, my friends probably did, but maybe just not quite as much as they realize as as it they didn't realize how difficult it was for me because it was dark. It was so dark, and because I was living on my own, um, there was nobody to bounce off. You know, there was nobody to assure you that you're not a bad person. That's going to be okay. That tomorrow's a new day, and the day after you'll feel better again. So you, I just sat in that horrible horrible mire of um despair that's that's the word that it was it was just really really desperate and like there was no way out and berating myself like why am I doing this again why do I do this every week um and it was just yeah it was it was horrible Mm. it was horrible I think the the thing that keeps people drinking as well though is that that toxic cycle of how alcohol relates you know to mental health and like I can completely relate to what you're saying because I did the exact same thing like struggle with my mental health after after drinking the effects would last and then you would drink to deal with the anxiety so you're just caught in this vicious vicious circle and so many people are you know they don't realize that they're feeding the beast and after you stopped for a while like did you did you feel that after a while that your mental health started to improve when you went sober you know what was that process like did you go through a kind of phase like at the start did it feel 
difficult as it related to your mental health or did you notice a massive improvement almost instantly? It's interesting because my partner and I stopped at the same time. We both had different experiences. So um, for me, my, my entire, all my issues were hinged on drinking because sober me was okay. Sober me was good, didn't have any issues. It was the drinking that created the despair that took me down to dark places. So when I stopped, I was good. Like I was just on a level all the time. What I did miss, like I mentioned, was was the good times, the high times, the you know the excitement, that buzz. And I guess I that's what I have to manage because I'm never going to get that. Well, never say never, right? That's a story. But that that high time, that buzz, that excitement is not there but the lows aren't there. So you don't have the big peaks and the big dips. It's 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 a nice straight line of normality. Whereas my partner, he was like, oh my God, all these emotions were coming up for him. Because for a lot of people, they're masking emotions. They're drinking away the pain. And that's ultimately what you know most of the people that I work with come to me for is because they're struggling with emotions. And most people avoid feeling anxiety or despair or all these things that come with um, mental and emotional health and ultimately it's going into the feelings and letting the feelings go the depressed feelings from old that helps you lessen the feelings that are showing up now so like for me stopping the drinking was great because it took everything away but for my partner it really highlighted some of the emotional um, or the old emotions that he perhaps was masking with the alcohol. So I think depends on the individual, like what they have um, repressed within them as to what that looks like. But yeah, so it's, it's good for me that I just feel good all the time now. That's what keeps me going. That's actually what keeps stops me having a drink because I know that that's the fallout is going back into that dark mm. place. Well, of, of course you'll feel like that, especially if you've been so low and you haven't felt like that for such a long time. It's probably, you're almost scared to have a drink because you're like, yeah. it's it's possible. And that's the thing with alcohol. I think it's so unpredictable that you don't know how it's going to affect you. Um, and that yeah. can be sometimes why it, it can lure people back in uh, because you sort of tend to forget about the lows or a lot of people do forget about the lows so it's good that you're reminding yourself of that because I think sometimes when you go without alcohol for quite a long time you can start to romanticize it again and be like was it really that bad you know maybe a few would be fine but it's it's that unpredictability it's like but what if it's not fine what if I have a really low yeah. mood after that and I really think I think it's really interesting what you said about you know Scott dealing with those emotions as well because I think that's true for so many people whenever they give up mm. alcohol it's that you realize that you've been masking so much pain and so much trauma and a lot of people instead of you know feeling the feels they'll just drink like I know that I did that I know that so many other people do it like come home from work I'm so stressed I don't want to deal with the stress I'll just drink oh my god this has really upset me I'm, I'm going through grief I don't want to feel this grief I'm going to drink and they don't mm. realize that they're not actually ever processing anything because they're just always blocking it out so you know 
I'm glad you brought that up because maybe, you know, someone's listening to this as well and they feel like, what is wrong with me? Because I cannot cope because I've stopped drinking because all this stuff's coming up and it's really hard to deal with. And that can make it, you know, a lot harder to stay sober because sometimes those feelings can be really, really hard to deal with. They can be really overwhelming and, you know, you get desperate for that relief you know what would you maybe say to those people um that were struggling with that I guess um it's it's getting into relationship with your feelings so feelings only want to be felt but we avoid them so they get pushed back down and we go in this constant loop of the come up we push them down they come up we push them down so if you can learn to get into relationship with your feelings so like let's say it's anxiety that you feel just noticing that you feel it. So it might be that you have burning in your chest or washing machine in your belly and it's just being with the sensation, getting really present to it and allowing it to move through you. So if you do that, it will move through you quicker than the avoiding of it. So that's that's one thing. Obviously, like you can go and work with somebody. I'm not I'm not trying to sell my services here, but if you go and work with somebody to really go into the emotions and feel them in a safe space with somebody else, that can help process them out. But also it is the getting into a relationship with them. So learning how what activates you, what the feeling is, tracking the sensations in your body, getting really present to them and just going, it's okay. You know, I'm feeling anxiety right now but I know it will pass and then just adopting some self-regulation you know it might be that you go for a walk or if it's anger that you experience you go screaming a pillow to let it go so it's just getting to know your own body and your own system and being present to what's arising so that you can just allow it to move through you these are really helpful things for for people to know as well um because you know they just don't really know how to deal with it and I think it's it probably comes down to never really learning healthy coping mechanisms like I know like I never knew healthy coping mechanisms you know people say like you know go a walk whatever you're like oh my god not like you need I think people need to learn what actually helps them like alternative methods for stress you know and everybody like you said everybody's different some people might need to scream under a pillow some people might need to go a walk um so that is yeah that is really really important as well and I think that is a massive like that is a huge part of going sober for sure because I don't think maybe people are prepared to face themselves and I think that is maybe what stops people from going sober because they they are scared to face themselves. Probably don't know either. You know, they probably don't know that that's actually what's going to happen on the other side of it is you're going to be faced with all your stuff. And, you know, whether it, it could be, you know, like you can eat that away. It might be that you drink that you drink it away. It could be that you shop it away. You know, it's not just necessarily drinking, is it? It's Because that's the other thing that can pop up is you stop drinking which has been suppressing the emotions and then you you rather than face the emotions you go and do a different behavior to deal with it so that could be Mm -hmm. gambling might be eating Mm. might be shopping Mm -hmm. so you've got to really watch for that pop up as well to make sure that you're not suppressing the emotions with something 
else a different destructive behavior mm. you're so obviously you you specialize in this so you know a lot and <laughs> I'm sort of like trying not to take this as a as a therapy session because I'm like oh my god I can relate to this so much but what you're saying is so so true like I've got ADHD and I find that whenever like my brain is I just need quick fix dopamine all the time like all the time and I think like when I stopped drinking, I was started getting really addicted to sugar. I really wanted to start vaping and get, you know, all these like destructive, unhealthy coping mechanisms. It was like trying to replace that need for alcohol and like gambling, like you said, gambling, spending too much money, you know, people might just substitute it for something else. So that awareness is, you know, really, really important because maybe a lot of people don't even realize that they're doing that. They're trying to find that thrill somewhere else. Um, and I love that you said, like you were honest about the fact that you miss the highs as well, because a lot of people probably don't admit that, you know, they're like, no, I'm fine now. I'm so much happier. But you know, some people do miss the highs and they just learn to live without it and, you know, find other things. You know, is there anything since you went sober that you find that you're now interested in? Have you like got new hobbies that you find like maybe you've rekindled old passions, old hobbies, you know, has anything changed in that sort of aspect? Yeah, I guess I have, um, I've, I've become a much more grounded and aware person and I do a lot of um things like yoga and I go to sound baths so I'm on a sort of spiritual journey as well where I love things that um take me into different spaces so um altered states of consciousness if you like through sound baths I work with cacao um I love like cold water swimming, um, paddle boarding, things like that, things that I didn't do before. The, 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 big, the one thing is actually um, having or going somewhere and actually being really present to it because whenever I would go, like, for example, we were away in Aviemore the other weekend and previously it would have revolved around the pubs and drinking so we're like, oh, we've got all this time. What we're we gonna do? <laughs> so you do so many things in, in a day that you would never have done before. We went paddleboarding on the loch, and we went away up the mountain and did some walking. So I think like nature is I've found this new love of nature that I I'm just strengthening and developing and getting outside and making sure that I do that every day just to keep myself really grounded. Um, I don't know if that's actually answered your questions, but that's the things that I've found as as I've kind of really evolved into being in nature, spirituality, mindful based activities like yoga, um, and that's really helped me. Yeah, just keep keep grounded and present and aware to to what's going on inside of me. Yeah, it sounds like you've just really reconnected with the world around you and it's funny because this seems to be like a massive trend like people joke oh but people go sober and then all of a sudden they're spiritual and they want to climb mountains and stuff and I'm like well not everybody but it is very true and I think it's because you do start reconnecting with everything around you and I think 
alcohol causes a massive disconnect and it's you know the irony of that is hilarious because you know I used to think that you know I had to drink alcohol to be you know incredibly social or to connect with other people but I I think that whenever you cut out alcohol your connections actually become stronger and you know with the world around you and people as well you know have you found that your connections with people have changed since you drank alcohol I know you say that you still try to you know keep up and you go out with and do the things that you normally would have but do you find that your connections have changed I think um I read something the other day just whilst I remember this which says when you stop drinking you become that dull person at the party and I, was, I, I did laugh about it because, you know, at the wedding the other night, I would have been the person that would have been in the middle of the dance floor grabbing everybody up. And whilst I was up dancing and doing all those things, I totally relate to it, but I don't care because I love um, I love being sober or not being sober, but not having the fallout more than if I am not the life and soul and if I'm a wee bit more dull than I used to be. But coming back to relationships, um, I've been so lucky that obviously Scott and I did it together. So I think if he had still been drinking, would I still be sober? Possibly not. You know, so that's been like an absolute godsend. My friends have been so supportive and like they really respect me and always. So I'm really grateful for that. But initially, people had more of a problem with it than I did. So... My dad still asks us a year down the line, are you going to have a drink? Just have a drink. You'll be fine. Um, And like my, my sister-in-law said to me, I miss us getting drunk. And I was like, I miss it too. I do. You know, so there is, um, my relationships are all still there, but I guess I'm just different in them. And it's just how you, how you just, I've had to accept that that's always, that's going to be different now. You know, because at the wedding, the girls were all there and they're all getting into drunken chats and up dancing and I'm not on the sidelines, but just they are not quite on the same level. And I, it's just a, a level of acceptance that that's how it's going to be now. But I know that I'm not going to have a hangover tomorrow. I'm happy with what my choices are. So it's kind of, the relationships are still there, but I've got a different awareness and a different acceptance of what they are and how I fit into them. It totally makes sense and I think that can be really really difficult for people as well you know you said your your sister-in-law and your your dad and stuff like they're still asking if you're going to drink you know that that must be really really difficult and I think the hardest part sometimes is people not really getting it you know, or thinking like, oh, it's just a phase or whatever. They don't, they don't really understand. And I think that can make you feel quite isolated. And I think, you know, obviously we both had the same idea of finding connections outside of that as well, because I think it really is important for people to find the people that get it as well. Um, and have you found, you know, you came to the sober walk, that's how we met. And did you find that that massively helped, you know, surrounding yourself with people that 
just get it. Yeah, I've so I've been to a couple of sober events, and I think it is so good just to surround yourself in anything, right? Even if it isn't alcohol, surround yourself with good people who are going to lift you up, you know, in any in any aspect, and that can apply to your mental health and your emotional health as well. If you're surrounded by people who are bringing you down, then it's not going to be helpful for you to navigate. So it was helpful. I think, again, coming back to because Scott and I did it at the same time, I'm lucky that he gets it and we've got each other and we can continue to support each other through the journey. But if I didn't have him, then I think I would have probably gone to more sober things because my entire life revolved around drink. My entire identity was around being this social butterfly. And and that's that's also something that I'm navigating is, well, who am I? Who am I now that I don't drink? You know, what? how do I show up? And I'm, I'm still kind of navigating that, like I said, you know, by going to the hen or even at the wedding there, like one year down the line, when everybody's going off partying after it. And I said, it's got in the car. I feel a bit bereft that I'm not going to the after party. <laughs> so there's always firsts coming up that you still have to navigate, Um, you know, like that or like going to the hen or... Um, yeah, so Kirsty from Sober Buzz, I, I did a podcast with her and I remember her saying that it's not that you become a new person after you stop drinking, it's that you remember who you were before you know you drank and you were crippled by hangovers. And I think if it's been a very long time that you've drank as well, it can be really, really difficult to find who you truly are, you know, because it could have been like a really long time ago that you you know there might have been a time when you were interested in certain things but there was a point in your life where you know those things just got neglected and all of a sudden alcohol was you know the main focus and you can throw away a lot of a lot of hobbies a lot of you know self-sabotage over and over and over again and that can be a really you know really hard part of it for a lot of people and clearly that's something that you're going through right now but you know from from where I'm sitting you know you've completely changed your life and it's it's very inspiring to a lot of people who might be going through that similar thing of you know where do I even start who am I if I'm not going out partying with my friends like what do I even do um you know that is really really hard for a lot of people to navigate and yeah you're really really inspiring in that sense I think also what I've found is what I've got back is time because everything, every single thing I did revolved around the next drink. Like going on holiday, Scott and I went to down to Cornwall and Devon for a week and we got so much done. We saw so many things, whereas before it would have been next pub, next pub. We went to town yesterday and we were in St Giles because before it would have been pub, pub, pub. So... There's so much more to see and do when you're not consumed by the next drink. And there's so much more time clawed back. And that is actually one of the, another positive that perhaps gets overlooked whilst whilst I don't have the lows. It's like, okay, what's the potential here? What could we do? You know, how could we spend time? And what could we see that, that we didn't see before in our own city? 
there's a lot of people that probably feel the same way as well. I think you don't realize how much time you actually have until you stop drinking alcohol and how much time you've thrown away as well and how tragic that actually is, you know been to like concerts and stuff in the past don't remember them spend all this money to go and see like remember being absolutely obsessed with Lady Gaga when I was younger and it was like the first time ever she'd been in Ireland it was a huge deal don't really remember it at all and just think what a waste you know and there's so many situations like that people think oh they don't remember social events you know it's it is just such a waste of time and the time afterwards as well whenever you're hungover like there's just like honestly you could not pay me any money to feel that feeling of the sun is shining outside and you're lying hungover and you're like can't get out of your bed like especially in like summer or something like that and you're like it's a gorgeous day and I am just like hiding away from the world and I've just wasted this entire day like and I think so many people love their life like that and you know each their own obviously um but like that's something you could not pay me to do yeah thinking about gigs like this this is one of my one of my stories that I remember, I remember going to see Al Green at the Playhouse and we were like second row from the front and buying pints of wine at the bar, had three um, pint tumblers of wine because we weren't going to go back to the bar. And it was like a Monday night and I was working the following day. I woke up at 11. I was supposed to start at nine. My boss was phoning me. I had a cigarette burn on my new sofa. And you know, when you're just like, see, when you think back to these times and you think, how did I never get in more trouble? Like how, and it actually makes me shudder when I think of some of these things, like so many gigs, so many times where you had narrow escapes and you think, God, I must have been so hurting to be getting so drunk. Like that was a long time ago, that example, but yeah, so many Mm. things. Do you think that was a part of it for you? You said, you know, I must've been really hurting. Like, do you think that was a massive part of why you maybe drank the way you did? Do you think that maybe you were drinking that much because you genuinely just were like, ah, I love a party or like, did you use alcohol to cope with certain emotions? Like what, what led you to drinking so much whenever you did drink like at, since you've gone sober do you realize that there are certain things that you were using alcohol to deal with it's an interesting question and I think that probably in the start I had come out of a 10-year relationship and it was probably party you know just let loose mm. go and enjoy yourself but it never stopped and I think I was always looking for partner you know I was single Mm. um initially it was great and then initially and then next I was looking for somebody so I think that I was looking for somebody to make me feel whole but until I realized that I had so there was obviously a lack of self-worth which I didn't realize until I went on this self-love journey you know I had a lot of really negative beliefs about myself I had um had to do all that work on me first before everything started to shift and that's taken a long time you know it's taken a period of time but interestingly over the so I've been um the last couple of years I've been studying compassionate inquiry Gabor Mati's approach and I think I might actually have ADHD myself so I'm only this is just unraveling at the moment and so so you will know this if you have ADHD it's the tension, right? And I think that as I've been digging into the 
the alcohol, it was I was always an attention seeker when I was drunk. And I was mm. thinking, did it give me the confidence and the ability to seek attention, to crave attention that I couldn't mm. get or ask for when I was sober? I don't, I don't know. I'm really just exploding. Mm. This is all just coming up. It's very recent. It's very new. And I was speaking to my mum and dad the other day about... Um, because my, my partner often says to me, I think you've got ADHD. And my friend said it to me years ago. And another friend has said it as well. And I'm like, do I? Why do you think that? I've never even noticed. Mm-hmm. But the more I start to mm-hmm. dig into it, and then I was questioning my mum and dad about, they said I used to do this in my pram. Mm-hmm. And the more I understand about trauma and the impacts that um, certain behaviors might have had on children so I said but why would I have been doing that in my pram and um it's probably because I was left crying what Mm. baby left crying on its own like that can internalize by itself that I'm not good enough I'm not worthy so I now understand where some of those beliefs might come from and I now understand that I was possibly craving attention or wanting attention wasn't picked up so this is Mm. really just a thread that I'm unpacking at the moment as to Mm-hmm. And the more I think about it, I was like, that was all I was doing when I was drunk was craving attention. But obviously in a very unhealthy, destructive mm-hmm. manner. Yeah. And it just goes to show you that that inner that inner child almost. It's like you're you're looking for something. And you know, ADHD is something that if you're if you're looking under right now, we can definitely like do another podcast about that, chatting like purely about ADHD because, you know, ADHD as it relates to trauma is also like um like I think it's a really really interesting topic as well because you know I I got late I diagnosed with ADHD at 28 um you know I have a lot of childhood trauma as well and it's it's funny how like there's obviously been signs of the ADHD throughout my whole life but it's manifested really really clearly as an adult whenever you're going into the world and you're trying to cope as an adult by yourself that's why a lot of you know women in particular have been late diagnosed and I say women in particular but there are so many people regardless of their gender that have been late diagnosed with ADHD or as neurodivergent you know there are there is a tribe of us out there and it's purely because there's so much more information now um and they're starting to realize that there there is something to this you know and it definitely relates to drinking and not just in the sense of like like you said you think you were you were drinking for attention but I think with ADHD as well it you absolutely crave dopamine so like it's hard to stop once you find that that feel good chemical once you start start drinking it's very very hard to stop and like I definitely found that with you know drinking as well and you know is that something that you found that once you started you could like have the intention of like the infamous you know one or two uh did you find that it was very hard for you to kind of go right that's enough now I'm I'm stopping yeah I was all or nothing so I I never drank in the house like I would I would go three five days where I would never have a drink because unless I was out you know I just wouldn't have it and um I was I was all or nothing like I wouldn't go out for a glass of wine or I wouldn't you know just have a couple because it wasn't in my Mm. Um, it just wasn't in my repertoire and even even being sober like Scott will have alcohol free stuff I just don't care because it's not something that I want because I wanted 
the hit. I wanted to get on it. I wanted to get drunk. That's what alcohol was for me. Mm. It wasn't a social thing. And that, and I guess that's why, because everybody, people always say to me, just have a couple. And I'm like, I can't do it. I just know mm-hmm. I can't do it. And then, mm-hmm. because that would be the dream. Like, it's not that I necessarily wanted to stop. If I could have two glasses of wine to be social, I probably would continue drinking. But I just can't. I just know I can't and I don't trust myself because I don't have the off switch. Yeah, I can relate to that so much. And I think so many people are the exact same. And I think that's like when when you tell somebody that you're giving up alcohol and they tell you like, can you not just moderate? Can you not just have one or two? Unless you really get it, you're like, no, I, I actually like this the same as you. I don't trust myself. Like it's it's hard to trust yourself because I think after those one or two your your brain completely changes and it's no longer really you that's making that decision anymore it's you know you're you're starting to get that high and you want that high um and I think that's really interesting that you said about the ADHD as well because you said you missed the high and that that makes a lot of sense you know to miss that high and I totally totally understand that um because you know with ADHD you're constantly craving highs all the time um and it's like a lot harder for people with ADHD to you know deal with a life that doesn't have those crazy highs um but ultimately it just makes your life so much more chaotic it's it's trying to adjust your life with less chaos but your brain still kind of wants the chaos. <laughs> yeah, I guess that comes back to that acceptance thing that I was talking about. It's, it's kind of similar, isn't it? Where I have accepted that I won't get the highs or I might not be in the drunk conversations, but I don't have the deep lows. And that's that's the thing that drives me the most is, oh yeah, I don't want to go back there. So I can accept and be with the fact that I won't get that high high but I also don't go back to that desperate place, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a very great thing to get from it, you know? At, at least you know that, like, I, I've, I've really loved this chat because I think it's so important to talk about how alcohol affects your mental health. And, you know, I I love what you're all about. Um, I find it really, really fascinating, you know, delving into the subconscious and dealing with past trauma and stuff, you know, like I, I personally I find that really, really interesting. It's something that I'm massively interested in myself. Um, and yeah, you, you've got so much knowledge and wisdom, you know, this is your specialty. And I think a lot of people will really find a lot of value in um, what you've been talking about today. And also like, if anybody is listening to this right now I would definitely head over to Susan's pages I will link them all below um and you can hear more about that because it's really important I think a lot of people don't delve into their their past trauma and a lot of people when they lock it in a box they want to put it away and not deal with those feelings um but there is so much like there, there's just so much greatness I don't know the word for it on the other side of dealing with that trauma as painful as it is at that time it just can completely change your life once you start to address it and you know you like if anybody is really really scared to come forward and deal with their past trauma um deal you know, address their their issues with alcohol you know what would you say to those people like encourage and something to encourage them to know that it's going to be okay yeah I think everybody is apprehensive about change 
or going to face the past and the reality of what's happened to them. Some people don't even know that they've had adverse experiences because they can be what society was taught back then, you know? So some people say, oh, well, I don't have trauma. But if you experience negative emotions regularly, there's something underneath it. Um, and it's okay to feel the nerves, but take a bold, courageous step. And on the other side, like you say, is real transformation potential. Because the thing is, if you feel like you've put them all in a box and locked them away, they're still going to come out. They will come out, they will manifest in things like depression or anxiety, autoimmune conditions, pain. You know, the body the body will bring these trapped emotions to you in some way. And it will continue and continue and continue until you deal with them. And that's just the reality of, of how it goes. So if you do feel like you are afraid, it's okay. It's natural and everybody feels the same. I don't have one person who comes along in their first session with me and doesn't feel nervous. But just trust your process and trust that, you know, you'll be guided along the way to where you need to go. Feel the fear and do it anyway. That's the old book. I love that. I think, um, yeah, a lot of people can be scared, but, you know, you're proof that your life can improve massively once you start addressing these things, you know, learning to love yourself. You came from a place of being, you know, having really low lows with alcohol and, you know, not loving yourself enough to, you know, now you're helping other people love themselves and deal with their pain and that is really really inspiring so thank you so much for coming on here today um telling me your story and yeah I think this will help a lot of people I think a lot of people will definitely be able to relate to this um more people than you know I, I probably would even realize a lot of people keep this stuff buried down deep they don't tell anybody about it um and it's really important to talk about. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I've loved chatting with you. Like I said, I will leave all of Susan's links below. You can go follow her and I will chat to you all in the next episode. Thank you so much for coming on, Susan. It's been lovely having you and I'll chat to you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye.